Today's show is brought to you in partnership with GiveSum. GiveSum is a platform that got on my radar last year. I've been watching with anticipation as they built out their solution. What they have built is brilliant. It's an online platform that allows companies who are already giving to seamlessly engage their employees in the experience by allowing them to choose the causes that matter most to them and choosing where the funds are donated. As my listeners know, I believe that corporate giving needs to be a table stakes when it comes to how we as leaders run our companies. And I also know that sometimes those donations and acts of support don't always connect to the people on our teams. GiveSome solves that problem by creating a bridge where you as a leader can now allow your team to select the causes and charities that matter most to them, and then through the platform itself, receive direct feedback on the impact of those funds. Gone is the need for the once a year town hall or a company-wide email to share the, what causes the org supported last year. GiveSum allows your team to pick the charities and get direct feedback on the impact the dollars had. One of the best parts, GiveSum does not take a percentage of the donation. 100% of the dollars donated go directly to the charity and to the people who need it the most. GiveSum works with your company and for a set fee, they administer the entire process. If you're already giving, which statistically speaking, you most likely are, visit GiveSum.com and find out how you can get your entire company involved in making a difference for the people who need it most. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my guest today, Dr. Jason Rogers. How are you doing, Jason? I'm great. It's great to be here. Or Mr. Ro- Mr. Rogers, maybe. Whenever <laughs> we want to take that. I'll take it. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, fantastic. And again, Calgary Conspires. I think we met at a fundraiser for some work I was doing with International Justice Mission last Stampede. Is that correct? <laughs> we did. And we also met at a, a effed up nights, uh, which is oh, a pretty, right pretty interesting event, too. Yes, that's right. Were you, do we meet the one where I was doing my my yeah, my f up? That's, okay, that's it. I had, that I was a big to... that was a cathartic experience, man. <laughs> oh, so, so you've fun. seen me in my most my, my most vulnerable. Oh, wow. oh okay, I get it. That's right. I forgot about that. That was. Uh, if anyone hasn't been to F Up Nights, and we'll keep this PG for the sake of the, the audience that we have here today and the, and the subject matter that we're going to be mm-hmm. going to be talking about, it is a really cool experience of in a world where we spend so much time polishing everything mm-hmm. to go. Guess what. Real life is messy, folks, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. entrepreneurs are messy. And if you are, if you, if you even are able or want or wish to call yourself an entrepreneur, you know that it is not a pretty shiny. There's no cape involved. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's no bright lights. And uh, but we showcase that so much that some people forget that hey, it's okay to trip and fall over your own, over your own, you know, pant cuffs. And that night is all about doing that. So, anyways, not a, a pitch for F up nights. I love well, the team, the two ladies behind it. Go check it out. I think they're. Isn't it this Thursday? I think there's an event coming yeah, up. Like, it's coming up again. I think, which will you know, now be a couple of weeks ago from when we do this, but go get the next one in the fall. I highly recommend it. you got to get them early because they sell out. And I think, you know, when we, we're going to get into education here, but education is about failure. Like it's about failing mm-hmm. and how do you pick yourself up? And uh, that's why I go is to hear about perseverance, resilience, grit, all of those catchphrases in, in real life. And uh, what an event. So yeah, I, I endorse it as well. I think it's, it's outstanding. Education is about failure. I'm going to camp out on that before we get into who you are and the head of school and all that. When I think about education and my journey in education when I was younger, it was never about like failure was failure. And I know we embrace and talk about failure now in a different way, but failure was not what it was about. It was about mm-hmm. you had to pass. And just even that mindset, has that changed? Are we adopting that? Or is it just different philosophies from different schools of thought? No, I, I think generally we are adapting to that. We're understanding that learning happens when we don't understand, when we try, when we fail, when we pick ourselves back up. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing that more generally in the education system. And the embracing of that is important for students and their own mental health. I think, you know, if if we can understand that not everything is perfect, you know, and I often say around here, let's not progress or perfection get in the way of progress. Uh, 
and and progress is about making mistakes. It's messy. And so yeah. um, I, I generally believe education is moving in that direction. I think failure is being embraced more widely in the education system. And I think it's for the benefit of learning and for students' well-being and mental health generally. That's that's what I believe. I really appreciate that. And, and at the end of the day, we're building better adults. That's why I always have time and space on the show for anything around education. We talk yes. about labor shortages or the job pool or any of those things. Okay, like when's the best time to plant a tree? Well, 20 years mm-hmm. ago, but if not, mm-hmm. then how about now? Mm-hmm. Like there's no better example of that than education of like, mm-hmm. what are we doing and what are we setting up these individuals from not only what they are able to learn, but their mindset and their ability to engage. So mm-hmm. let's dive right. You are head of school at Rundle College. Yes. Broad, broad, broad sweeping banner. We'll throw out there. Break that out for us. Let's get in the pitch elevator a little bit that I like to put it in. And what's Rundle College all about? What's your role there? And let's unpack yeah. it and dive into this conversation. Sure. So the, the role is pretty straightforward. It's more like the superintendent of a small school district. So that kind of frames it up. Rundle is an independent school here in Calgary, Alberta. Started in 1985 with 16 students. And now today in 2023, we have about 1,200 students. Um, the hallmark of the program from the very beginning is uh, help students reach their potential and celebrate with them when they do. Uh, we do it through personalized education and small class sizes. And along the way, uh, it's it's grown. You know, uh, we started with a university prep program, which is called the college. Uh, then in about the year 2000, we started a program called the academy, which is for students with learning disabilities. So every student there has average to above average intelligence, but they struggle in one or more areas of learning. And through a universal design for learning approach, we're able to help them reach their potential. And uh, in 2019, we started to think about this program called the studio, which is finding a way to virtualize a school so we can have a real school in the cloud. And that's the what we've been working on is how do you create a real school that's virtualized? And that's for students who are neurally diverse. So LD plus a whole bunch of other learning challenges or learning differences that students might have and how do we universally design in a virtualized space to to address their learning needs and it's been pretty remarkable i think i think it is a picture of of a part of the future of education and uh, we're painting it right now at the studio it's been exciting I, I love it. But you've been in this pitch elevator before, sir. Very well, very well articulated. Um, you mentioned, and I just want to, again, I always love to unpack. And what, yeah. what does it mean? And I never want to assume Please. Uh, children with you know, individuals with learning disabilities above, you know, above our average intelligence, but have mm-hmm. limits in some areas. Then we talk about neurodiverse students. Mm-hmm. Can you just draw some parallels and some understanding for my audience to help understand what's one versus what's the other? And how are they sure. similar? And how are they different? Sure. So, you know, and I, I speak from a place of experience. I've got dyslexia myself. So a learning okay. disability is, you know, could be dyslexia, could be dysgraphia, dyscalculia, could be any of those things, could involve working memory, processing speed, something that's not allowing a student to reach their potential in learning. You know, the brain is just wired differently at the end of the day. Um, When we talk about neural diversity, it's not as specific as a learning disability. Like dyslexia certainly is an element of neural diversity, but uh, any number of things can come into neural diversity. And I think, you know, Tyler, you think about you and I, you learn vastly differently than I do. Yep. Right. So does everybody else in the world. So when we start to talk about diversity in broad strokes, we're all neurally diverse, right? We all learn differently. So the heart of personalized education is understanding and addressing neural diversity. And at the studio, we have the benefit of being able to universally design the program so deeply using the best of what we know in brain science to address all diversities in learning that uh, we don't limit it to just those students who have uh, learning disabilities. So okay. 
Uh, it's a broader stroke is what it comes down to. It's, it's a broader catchment of, of diversity and learning. What would be an example of a neural diverse, uh, just a way to call it? I, yeah. I know it's the resistance is yeah. sooner or later you end up with labels and names, but that yeah. helps us understand. And we're doing yeah. this, like, always to be clear from a very positive perspective. Yeah. So, I mean, the reality is, you know, some students in, in our society everywhere struggle with uh, mental health uh, concerns. And so you might mm -hmm. have social anxiety, for instance, which doesn't allow you to be uh, in a big classroom surrounded by a whole bunch of people. You can feel, feel very alone, even though you're surrounded by a lot of people. That would be an example of a, of a neural diversity, which the studio addresses really well. You know, we've got another student in the program who has a visual and a hearing impairment. Okay. So they're going to learn vastly differently than uh, anybody else who's around. And so that would be another example of a neural diversity that isn't a learning disability. Okay. So um, it's a broader spectrum. You can see, you know, students with autism who have autism spectrum disorder, uh, would also qualify as having okay. a neurodiversity. Like they clearly need different things in their learning to allow them to reach their potential. And that's where we come back to every step of the way is we're all unique. We're all individuals. We all have incredible potential. So how do we take you from where you're at with the way that you learn and help you reach that potential? How do we overcome that learning gap? And that's where the academy and the studio have really, really set their mark uh, in the educational landscape. That type of personalization, and I love it. I think it's a topic I bring, I bring up so often, whether it's some person wants to work at home, some person likes to work at like it's showing up everywhere because as I reach for this device that's always within arm's reach, we everything else in our life is so personalized. The way we get a, an Uber is personalized. You know where it is. It's coming for you. But I've always looked at things like even, you know, you're a large enterprise with 10,000 employees. It's hard to personalize. It's a challenge. Mm -hmm. So we just, we just treat everybody the same. Education, I think, has been notoriously, I don't want to say guilty. It's just been the way it is. As we're, I'm hearing you talk, we're becoming more aware of neurodiversity. Like we're getting a deeper understanding. You, you, you mentioned neuroscience. What's the challenge of actually being able to personalize but still scale it? Mm-hmm. Because mm -hmm. people get left out mm -hmm. because they either can't afford it. There's a barrier. Like, I want everyone to have access to this, but mm -hmm. I know that's really not where the system's at maybe quite yet. Yeah, and this answer might surprise you a little bit, but it doesn't start with the organization of the system. It starts with a person. So there's a word that you probably heard was metacognition. And simply put, it's thinking about your own thinking. So if we can identify where we think, how we think, how we learn, what we need in our learning... We can take our own metacognition to a place of advocacy, which takes us further to a place of reaching our potential. So the system is built only to support students in their self-understanding, their metacognition. Once you have that metacognition, then you can advocate and then you can have agency in reaching your own potential. I think once you have agency in reaching your own potential, you know, as well as I do, uh, we're unlimited. Uh, yeah. And I think that's, yeah. that's huge. I love I love that. I was actually in a leadership retreat yesterday, and one of the things that uh, the, our tech I'm in a t I'm in tech, so I'm in an executive group, and the chair said she just you know she was she's been working and studying with this leadership with like a gentleman who's been doing research for multiple years on leadership, and he said you know ultimately at the end of the day, as an employer, it's not your job to like make that individual happy in their role. It's their job to know what they're the best at, and then you create the environment for them them to do that. And a lot of people in the room are like yeah, but a lot of people when you ask them what are you the best at, they don't know how to answer that. Right. So I love the concept of metacognition when you bring it back, because once you know what you're best at, the amount of agency you have on your own decisions and choice of where you work or where you engage or what you learn or how you learn, it's exponential mm -hmm. and it's and it's rapid because mm -hmm. then you're like, boom, I'm going this direction. So what a gift to even pres present that 
as a as a as a framework when you're eight, 10, 12, 14. I, I don't yeah. remember being presented with that framework at that age in my life. <laughs> well, and Tyler, this true story is a fact. You know, I go to universities and I speak to university professors and deans and uh, and they'll say, where, you, where do you work? Where are you from? They'll say, well, I'm from Arundel. And they go, we know your students. I say, oh, I, like I hope for a good reason. And they yeah, say, yeah. yeah, we know them because of two reasons. One, they're sitting at the front of the class and they're engaged. But two, they're having a conversation about their own learning with us as professors. These are the things I need to be successful. Can you help me reach my potential? And it's different from a place of hmm. um, sometimes it's from a place of like, this is what I'm deserved or this is what I'm owed. But it's <sighs> not that. It's yep. this is what I need. This is how I'm going to be my best. Can you help me get there? And professors are humans. Uh, they It resonates with them. and say, of course, of course, we can give you the extra time you need. We can give you the isolation. If you need the PowerPoint in advance, We'll give it to you because we know you need to make annotated notes. That's how you learn. Let's help you reach your potential. So it comes from a place of power, agency, understanding, awareness. And that's where the studio and the academy and college, for that matter, all really succeed is really helping students understand who they are. It comes back to, to metacognition. It comes back to the individual. That's that's the personalized piece. And I think that's what we meet, miss, where it's like an organization often, whether it's in business or education, thinks about what are the million things we need to do to make it good for every individual there. Instead, we've got to flip it and say, what do the individuals need in the way of agency and understanding to be their best and let them bring it forward as opposed to bring it down? So bring it up instead of bring it down. And that's that's the secret sauce, Tyler. So empowering. It's getting me jazzed up just talking about it. Um, is there resistance in the way we've always done it to that type of Because anytime you talk about flipping anything, you get into change. And sometimes yeah. some people... I'm notoriously challenged, uh, all of us at different times in our lives, with change and like, well, this is the way we've always done it and I'm comfortable with it. Well, there's a big gap between that and let's completely, like literally to use your words, to flip it. Like it's actually yeah. the opposite. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think you know, we worry that if we do it for one, we have to do it for everybody. I think it's so common. Like if I'm going to give that accommodation for one person, I have to give it to everybody. But I come back to a guy named Ronald Mace and he was a universal designer and like his kind of claim to fame was the curb cut for wheelchairs. Mm. So, you know, mm. these curb cuts. I and, do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sidewalks and wheelchairs could easily get up on and off of sidewalks because of them. But what Ronald Mace found out and everybody else in the world found out after that was it wasn't just good for wheelchairs. It was good for people with grocery carts. It was good for <laughs> strollers. It was good for scooters with kids. It was good for everybody. So this is the quintessential universal design. He did it for one person, but it actually created access for everybody. Hmm. And so this is the way we look at universal design is we're not doing it for individual people, but we're creating these opportunities for access to information and learning that support everybody. And when people have agency and they have their own abilities to the metacognitive understanding, then they can access them without limitation. So I think when we stop thinking about we have to personalize individually for everybody and we start thinking about universally designing for for everybody, mm -hmm. um, it's quite empowering and it brings down some of this, the, the, the fear around change uh, that comes with it. And I appreciate this isn't I, – I don't fall under a neurodiverse category. I don't have learning disabilities that I'm aware of, but I know I learned – I still learn different than my wife mm -hmm. and I watch how like I'll want to take it apart and she'll want to read it and understand it. Still different without having to go into these like what can be looked at as subcategories or small minority categories. Mm -hmm. We're all humans. We're, we're, it's a messy It's a messy journey yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. love it. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about – you said 2019 and I think that's really critical. 
because 2019 was before t- before March 2020, and we all know what mm-hmm. happened in March 2020 mm-hmm. when everyone's like virtual learning, online learning. Oh, it mm-hmm. works. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. We had no choice, mm-hmm. so let's go there. Clearly, this was a journey that Rundle was on prior to. This wasn't stimulated or triggered by the pandemic, if I just get my dates right. Mm-hmm. So un- unpack that a little bit for me and like, oh, yeah. geez, we were already on this or ours is different. That's different. Just again, from an audience's yeah. perspective, help them understand the difference of what you're building versus like, oh, I can take a course online. But yeah. I don't think I'm not hearing that's what we're talking about here. No, we're not talking about MOOCs. We're not talking about those kind of uh, deployments. So mm. this started in the year 2000. In 2000, we started to see that we could help these students who are nearly diverse, learning disabled, be successful. We have a 100% graduation rate at the academy program and 95% of them going to post-secondary education of their choosing. So that's out of the park for a regular learning population, let alone students who are, you know, maybe struggle with learning. So we know that there's limitations with bricks and mortar. We can only help 250 students at a time at the academy program. And unless we acquire a bunch of land, a bunch of buildings, take on that upfront capital, we can't scale this. So we've been thinking for a long time about how do we democratize this type of education to support students. There's 15% of the student population would identify with having a learning disability. So this is not a small number. It's 15 out of every 100. And we're thinking, you know, if we can get all of our students to graduate and into post-secondary how do we support more kids? It just comes down to how do you support more kids in this way? And so we've been thinking about the de- democratization of education for students with learning disabilities for a very long time. The um, As video conferencing started to pop up, we started to think hard about how do we reach more people in more geographical areas, more diversity that way. And we started to think about what are we actually doing at the academy that's working? So as we started to layer all of those things together, it started to make sense that we we're going to do something uh, virtual and there's a lot of things happening in technology. It was like the start of virtual reality, start of uh, augmented reality. We're seeing video conferencing become more and more prevalent. Things like Khan Academy opening our doors to how could online instruction actually work through uh, video instruction. We're exploring all of these things. And then, yeah, COVID happened. <laughs> and when COVID happened, it was just fuel on the fire. It accelerated everything. Everybody started to realize that these things were possible. And from there, we just we just jumped on. We never stopped. And so that's that's where the journey started. It was actually back in 2000, 2019, we got serious about it. And then COVID helped us accelerate it. I love the word accelerate, I think, for... And I choose to choose the positive, and I never want to sound... I never want to minimize that COVID had negative impact on a lot of people. But it was an accelerant of so many things. You're like, oh, I can't believe that happened. I'm like, oh, we were going that way anyways. We just mm-hmm. took a 10-year journey and turned it into... 10 months or what, you know, pick, pick a timeline. <laughs> it was like things that would take a year, it took three months or whatever the case may be. And I think that was across the board, especially around digital and digital transformation and just the accelerating of like, Hey, there's gotta be a better way. And man, cause we have no choice. We're going to figure it out right quick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do necessity, the mother of it all. Um, okay. So I'm in rental studio and I'm enrolled in this program. I'm a student and I'm 12, 13. Like, is there, what, what would be the age range? Yeah, great. So it's grade uh, seven to 10. Next seven to year 10? we're going to okay. be up to Every year we're adding a grade, so we'll be at grade 12 in two years from now. Uh, so yeah, you're, nice. you're generally a 13 to 16-year-old you know, boy or girl. Okay, and I'm in front of my screen. I'm on VR goggles. I'm And where I'm going at here, and you and mm-hmm. I, is mm-hmm. the, okay, well, I'm not interacting. I'm not at school. I'm not mm-hmm. out at recess playing or getting knocked over in a dodgeball game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some of us have good and bad mm-hmm. memories of that growing up. Just curious of the role that plays as technology. There's concerns around it, valid mm-hmm. or invalid. It's mm-hmm. it's a topic of conversation. Thoughts? Yeah. So you are getting knocked over by a dodgeball. 
Okay. <laughs> Sweet. Because I don't think anyone should miss out on that experience. Let me tell you about it. So Traumatizing or otherwise. There's, mm. you know, about six <laughs> core components to what we do there. And so the biggest one is synchronous learning, personalized approach, getting to know the individual, helping them understand their own metacognition. All of those things are, are key. And that's done virtually, but with video conferencing. And there's a really unique model that allows students and teachers to bond in a way that they feel comfortable. There's trust. There's understanding. And uh, and then learning about oneself, that's huge. There's an asynchronous component. Think about this, Tyler. Like, I don't know about you, but when I was in school, I would miss entire classes because I'd be daydreaming, thinking out the window. And some of those classes were important, like might be the foundation of algebra, but I daydream my way through that thing, looking out the window, wondering, you know, when I was going to go play floor hockey. Um, but at <laughs> yeah, the end sounds, of the day... Sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the studio captures every single lesson, saves it. And if I daydream through that lesson, guess what? It's on demand from my teacher and I can go back to it. And guess what? When I write my midterm or my final and they do midterms and finals and I go to study, I don't have to rely on my poorly written notes. My my chicken, my self-prescribed chicken scratch that I have over here. I can watch this video as many times as I want to learn it. And think about the power in repetition, like double, triple loop learning here, which is profoundly impactful cognitive science, uh, that happens in the asynchronous space. So we have synchronous, Mm -hmm. which is what we're doing here. Asynchronous is a recorded, come back to it from the people you know, trust, understand, and learn from. Then we've got multiple components past that. So we have a co-curricular component where we have a full esports suite. So we compete nationally in esports. I'd love to talk about that more because that's a that's that's a, a whole case. world unto itself, which I think is it's, very cool. So it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. And okay. I'll, I'll I'll talk about that a little bit later, maybe. But esports. Then you've got culinary class, art class. You've got drama. You have all of these things that are happening. Uh, there's a character piece where we want students to get out in their community and volunteer. So we'll see them at the mustard seed. We'll see them at the drop-in center. We'll see them in our community. Mm-hmm. We have meetups in uh, Calgary now, but we'll have them in you know Vancouver, Toronto soon, where students come together as a group and they do field trips together. So they'll go off to you know Calgary Science Center, the Calgary Zoo as a group regularly. Uh, we have international and national trips. So we have kids off to Ottawa as a group. So this is not solely a virtual experience. And you can think okay. of it. Like if we have students in Vancouver, Halifax, and Calgary right now, there's no problem having them meet in Ottawa for a field trip. Yeah. The world's pretty flat, so that that's another portion of it. Then one thing that you know often people want to hear about is the metaverse. And we have a digital twin in the metaverse. Students will come together, meet in the metaverse, and the learning there is stickier and more visceral than anything I've seen to date in my 25 years in education. Hmm. So we spend about 10% of our time in the metaverse, you know, playing chess, playing dodgeball, but also, you know, going to Japan or doing a dissection or doing a science lab or learning about World War One, World War Two through an immersive virtual experience, which many of your listeners will have been in VR and will know what I'm talking about. But until yeah. you have that experience, you don't know how sticky that learning is. So all of those components come together. And this is the studio. And we've built, you know, a real school in the cloud. These students are are deeply connected to one another and the learning. And that's what it's all about. <clears throat> I was um, moderating a panel discussion a few weeks ago at Mesh. 
and Amy Peck out of um, uh, San Francisco, and she made the comment, we're the last generation that will differentiate reality. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, it was just like, you know, in one of those moments where like, oh, no, that's the thought provoking, you know, the simplest statements are usually the most thought provoking of like, what is VR? What is AR? What's, you know, XR? Versus, oh, it's the brain, the brain, anyone who's done VR, the brain very quickly make, there's no difference. You're in the experience, whatever that is. When I walk off the edge of that space shuttle, my fear of heights kicks in right away. And I'm no, I'm, I know I'm standing in my living room. <laughs> well, and there's, there's no limitation when it comes to mobility. You know, we have a yeah, uh, few students so who powerful. have mobility challenges. And these students are walking around on immersive field trips with their peers like they've never done before. They're actually... You know, back to universal design, the whole experience is deeply universally designed for everybody, irrespective of, you know, limitation. Uh, and so uh, it's been incredibly empowering and we're very, very deep into the learning in that space and we're embracing it. We think it's, it's nothing but upside, nothing but exciting. But as you're, as you're hearing, we balance screen time with human time, with connection, with friendship, with learning, with fun. Uh, these are all the things that make up everyday school. And, and that's been the challenge, taking it, not a MOOC, not a video tutorial, but creating a real school in the cloud. And I think that's where the studio is, is succeeding for sure. Well, even I'm, of course I'm on your website cause I'm a professional creeper before I do these episodes, I go check everybody <laughs> out and I'm on uh, you know, rundle.ab.ca slash studio in your studio program. And just some of the words you had here really caught me and things that were not discussed when I went to school, focus, connection, probably not community, maybe physical activity. Yes. We went to gym class, reflection, downtime, mm -hmm. sleep, mm -hmm. nutrition. I mean that one course that poor dietitian came in that no one paid attention to mm -hmm. when I was in grade six. Mm -hmm. So just even seeing some of the words you're bringing out here, I just listened to um, why we sleep by Matthew Walker and he yeah, so rails against so the education community for their early start times for teenagers. Like this will get up early because it's good for you. He goes, that's completely wrong. <laughs> when you talk about, uh, you know, uh, humans at a certain age and their worst circadian rhythms. And so it just, it caught me uh, interestingly created curiosity when I saw the words you were using, which probably very few, I wouldn't expect to, you know, to see on a normal education site. And maybe we're going down this road, but to me, words matter. And when you see words like this, it, it really shows you that, that you as a team are thinking about this differently. We care about that. Um, sure. I love it. Um, we're, we'll do, let's do technology buzzword bingo here. So you brought up VR. We talked about the metaverse. What about AI? You, can't, you cannot turn your head these days and running into, it's good, it's bad, we're all going to die. It's the best thing ever. How is that playing into? And was that already on the agenda or has the you know, arrival of our good friend, our new everyone's new favorite uh, collaboration partner, ChatGPT, had an impact on you guys? Oh, it's got to be on everybody's agenda every day. And yeah. it should have been since November. If it's not now, we got to get it there. Yeah. Certainly on Get off agenda. the show right now and go check it out. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to. It's, it's real. It's not going anywhere. And we're in the next uh, you know evolution of technology. And this is, this is a big one. This is as big, I, as, big as Google, big as Web 1.0. This is huge, so we have to talk about it. You know, and Tyler, I've been talking to lots of groups uh, about AI, and I think we're missing the point a little bit. I think we have to embrace this technology and know that it's moving ahead. I think we have to um, inform our students and collaborate with them on policy development and acceptable use in our schools. We have to understand the risks and the downside. I mean, the biggest one is, and this is terrifying. I was at a session not long ago, and somebody was talking about AI, and they said, you know, we can have all report cards written in a flash. You just put in the student's name, you put in their grade, you put in a little bit of information. You're going to save every teacher in your system dozens of hours. What the problem with that is, 
is the information is no longer our own once we put it into ChatGPT in particular. Yes. And you've got a massive security breach on your hands, privacy breach, when you put in personal information into ChatGPT. So I think we've been distracted by this idea of academic integrity, and we've lost sight on security, privacy. Oh, good point. Uh, and I think, you know, so that's where I'm trying to pivot the conversation. I think academic integrity can be addressed through personalized learning, through conversation, through, again, agency, from being above born and ownership. And, you know, if you see a student, you sit, assessment actually means to sit beside. Okay, so hmm. if you're able to sit beside a student, you know the zone of proximal achievement. If they're outside that zone of proximal achievement, there's probably something going on. And that's where a conversation needs to happen because academic integrity is not just in a grade 11 English class. It's in blog posts. It's in press releases. It's in, you know, reports that we write. And so I think this idea, and I've been talking about this for a while, but like there's no such thing as digital citizenship anymore. It is just simply citizenship. We need, like, everything is digital. You and I both know everything is digital. Yeah, so let's totally. get away from how do we be a good digital citizen? How do, what does it mean to be a citizen these days and be good at that? And so I think digital kind of is a bit, bit misleading in it all. Uh, words are words are powerful. And uh, the more generalized the term, the more often it will be misrepresented or used to and be weaponized. I love the concept of how things get weaponized these days. It seems very, very quick. But fear and uh, I appreciate your perspective on just really understanding privacy and, you know, some of the concerns like we're losing the plot sometimes of like, well, you actually we should be more concerned about this. And maybe this isn't the actual problem. But we get so we get so target fixated on, on things as, as, as human beings. You started in 2019. The world has changed. I don't know how many cycles since since then. Thinking about Rundle Studio, some of the lessons or the learnings. What have you taken away? If you knew what you knew now, you know that classic question. Because the world, you know, has gone in directions you probably couldn't have anticipated uh, on a large macro scale in the last four or five years, four years. Any things? Any learnings? Any kind of big takeaways that went? Huh. Wish we would have known that, but now we know it. Cool. We're going to take a different path. Yeah, I think we learn every day, I think, but but I think the learning is the message. Like agility uh, in education mm. is required. And I think that's where mm. um, yeah. we succeed is you're not fixed to any kind of methodology, any pedagogy. We know that something new is coming tomorrow and we're going to need to adapt to it. So we're we're already ready for that just in our mindset. And I think when we get fixed on a methodology or pedagogy and we have a fixed mindset, I think that's where we run into to huge problems. The you know giant learning is hiring for people with a growth mindset and an agile mindset. And we did that really well on the hop. And I think that's certainly saved the program. Um, the other learning that I had that I vastly underestimated was how difficult it would be to explain this program to people. Oh, okay. Um, because hmm. nobody, nobody's seen it before. This is unique in North America. Yeah. We're effectively trying to explain something that we've created that is working that most people don't have a, a frame of reference for. It's not a school. It's not a MOOC. It's not video tutoring. Um, it's not an online school. We have actually virtualized a school and created these real-life connections for neurally diverse students, which is a subsect in its own right. So, you know, we went at the absolute fringes of everybody's understanding of everything and created this uh, this program. So I, I, get, I can see why that's hard, hard to explain. Yeah, yeah, to that. explain. It's a really, really difficult thing to to explain. 
Uh, you mentioned North America. Is this something that you, again, I was, where do we look for inspiration? Where do we look for all of their examples? If you go outside of North America, is there more examples of this? It still feels like it's a fairly small space, but um, is this something that's happening in Europe? Is it something that's happening in Asian countries? Are you seeing it in other areas or versions of it, I guess, maybe a way to say it? No, and I, it's a call out to your listeners. I mean, if they if they do know of something like this, I'd love to collaborate with that cool. group. Nice. Um, but there's not really an example. You know, it's just a, uh, the biggest national conference in the United States was in Las Vegas a couple months ago. I presented on this topic down there, hoping that somebody would say, "Oh, we've heard of something similar to this." You're, you're, you're not alone. I know somebody like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. So not, that just, didn't happen. <laughs> there just did not happen. You know, and so I think. We've taken learnings from so many sectors, you know, and I even think about, I'll give an example, Tyler, like the middle of COVID, we all know that Peloton became a real thing. <laughs> we do. Right? And it came to our homes. And the reason it was a thing, at least I think, is they had the world's best instructors. So they had, you know, 12 rock star spin instructors in there and they came into our living rooms, right? So what I started to think about was how do we get those 12 rock star teachers hmm. into the living rooms of every student who needs them? So I think back to grade eight, I had this teacher named Mr. McLean, world's best English language arts teacher, motivated me to read Stephen King and a million books I probably shouldn't have read. <laughs> but, you know, as a student with dyslexia and difficulty reading, this was transformative. Mr. McLean was the person. That's awesome. We all have them. We all have Mr. McLean, right? Um so that was the thought was how do we bring Mr. McLean into the living room of every student who needs him or her, you know, and uh, so that, you know, so we drew from Peloton, for instance, and and how do we develop that kind of methodology and that thinking? So, you know, we've had to reach outside the education sector to, to get a wellspring of inspiration uh, to build this thing because it is so unique. We just can't find something that's comparable, particularly for students with learning disabilities. And I appreciate it. I love the, like, let's look at other industries and how do they solve the problems and how can we beg, borrow, steal and bring bring that in? And I think sometimes we can learn way more from uh, you know uh, parallel industries or unrelated industries than we can from each other because sometimes we're all looking at it from, a, looking at the elephant from the same side, right? You got to flip 100%. it around, look at it from the other side. Yeah. Um, education, provincially, federally regulated, uh, What's that framework look like? Is there freedom and then just there's some bandwidth based on the, the type of organization you are, the type of learning facility that you're able to improvise? What's the word I'm looking for? Create and structure and very be deliberate about a different curriculum and a different approach. How does that support you or hold you back or kind of kind of get in the way, being being political with my... I, I recognize I'm asking a risky question. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's a really important question. I mean, independent schools in Alberta are heavily regulated and governed by the provincial government, which is embraced we love having like annual monitoring of our schools uh we adhere to the alberta curriculum which is international regard as one of the top curriculums in the world or, mm. or results results are up there with you know the top singapore finland you name it our results are really good feel really good about that curriculum so we actually stick with that curriculum tyler you know whether okay. we're working with a student in halifax or vancouver in the junior high level they get the Alberta curriculum, and that's what we stick with, and, and we're proud to do that. Where we have autonomy is back to universal design, back to options, back to co-curriculars. Uh, you know, oh, okay. nobody tells us we can or cannot do esports, for instance. And so we choose to do esports because it's, as you know, a massive industry 
in the world. So much. That's one of the, the perfect example of something that's, if you don't know about it, you have actually no idea what's going on over there. It's kind of blows your mind, actually. Well, let's, well, let's, let's talk about esports a little yeah. bit. Because, yeah, I want to, because you're right. That's the first time I've had, I think I had one guest on in 30, 300 episodes talking about esports at all in Calgary. So I'd love to even uh, get your perspective on it and why you chose it as part of your curriculum. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let, let's think about it like this is um first of all everybody's doing it so that's that's the first thing like that's table stakes everybody is in on esports even if you and i aren't we know there's a billion people in the world playing esports so got it secondly um think about football for a second would we in our wildest dreams say to a bunch of 12 year olds here's a bunch of equipment here's a ball we're not going to tell you what to do with it just go out there and play football not for a moment, right? No. What do we do? Chaos. We, we, yeah, chaos would ensue. There'd be kids who are hurt. There'd be kids who felt like they've been mistreated. There'd be all kinds of problems. What do we do? We put a coach on the side, coaches on the sideline. We teach them the rules. We teach them how to be safe. We teach them how to be good sports people. We teach them how to win and lose. We teach them all these things. So let's fast forward. Again, back to table stakes. There's a billion people playing esports, and there are zero coaches on the sidelines. So either we can choose to allow this unregulated environment for adolescents who are prone to, you know, like it or not, make bad decisions, or <laughs> yep. or we offer this coaching and this support and we embrace it. And at the end of the day, I think it's our responsibility in education to embrace it and help coach them. Because, I mean, there are, back to citizenship, there are ways to behave in a digital world, mm. which are good, and there's ways to behave that are bad. And through formative feedback, uh, we're able to, you know, guide students to be their best selves on the football field, you know, in the eSport arena or in a chat room. And I think it comes with back to sitting beside coaching and supporting students. And so that's why, you know, we've totally embraced eSports. It's huge. Kids are loving it. And uh, and we love it. It's, it's been just a huge win. No, that's, that's so. But these are, I'm assuming these are the things that sometimes parents raise an eye on and go, well, "Tell me more. Why this?" And yeah. I, I'm assuming on this journey, there's there's been a lot of explaining and a lot of justifications and a lot of just helping create understanding because it's because it's so new. To your point, and yeah. easy to underestimate. They're all just going to get it. Says every startup founder ever. Yeah, no, and I think <laughs> not always, not always. Screen time, right, Tyler? It's an, it's an easy one. Like I don't want my kid to be on a screen all the time. And we say, you know. It's not about screen time because they're not going to be on the screen all the time. We've got lots of optionality. They're not in metaverse all the time. They're not in esports. But what we're allowing is them to manage, like we call it a healthy brain platter, manage mm-hmm. their screen time, manage your sleep time, manage your nutrition, all those things that you talked about. And it's you come back to like atomic habits, for instance, so topical. It's like, how do you manage yourself? What are your habits? Yeah. How are they healthy or unhealthy? And how do we mitigate those things? to be our best selves. And so I think, you know, James Clear would totally support that approach where we totally understand ourselves and recognize all of those forces that are around us and manage them to our to our greatest potential. Which is really what that book is all about if you really read it and understand it's yeah, it's self. Huge. Yeah, yeah, so, so agency, which is what you said. So for the 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 cohorts, do you just call them grades? Do you call them cohorts? Do you come I'm just what I'm asking is how 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 many successive years have we had of people moving through and when's you're graduating like you're moving to adding the 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 11 and 12. Yep. Who who's going to be the first graduating cohort or class? So this is our third year in the program. Our okay. first graduating class will be 2026. Okay. And uh year over year we've managed to have an 87% retention uh you know 100% completion of every grade and so that's always you know my indicator of success is like i think any good organization understands that consumer votes with their feet you know if if they 
Churn is churn, churn is a, churn is a real thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you know, with an eighty-seven percent retention inside this space, it'd be pretty untouchable to think that eighty-seven percent of people are keeping with a virtual product because I think there's huge churn in that industry. Hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, if you we, compare it to other like things in that space, that's a good yeah. comparison, right? Yeah. Because it's hard to compare it directly to ed- other educational programs because it's 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 so more like these other things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're hmm. we're out on our own, so we have to compare against those other similar industries and. And we're really proud of that. And I think, you know, and, and I'll say this, like I attend eh, about a hundred school events a year okay. in all of our systems. You know, we've got three separate schools. We've got, you know, seven or eight divisions. We've got a lot going on, awards days, graduations, you name it. And don't get me wrong. They're all fabulous and really, really connected here at Rundle. But the one that I can't get through without crying within the first five minutes <laughs> of the thing is awards day at the studio. And what happens at that day is remarkable. You know, you've got these 40 students who haven't been seen, heard, loved in education, uh, standing up and celebrating their success because they've reached their potential. And their parents celebrating alongside them. And the best part is their peers celebrating with them. You know, they cheer as loud for the student who got most improved as they cheer for the student who is the best esport or the student of the year. And the kind of camaraderie and relationship that happens inside this space that you would expect to be impersonal, to be far apart, to be not connected, is uh, is staggering. And I think that's what gets me every time. Within minutes of sitting down, it's just it's something else, Tyler. I'm, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's not experience. a lot of dry eyes in the room. I'm like I'm already I'm feeling the emotion of just oh, seeing that much see these guys, yeah, that much accomplishment and energy and sense of self that comes from that, and that the confidence that's built out of going through something like, like I did this, and I yeah. you know experienced this. Talk to me about um, access. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times in our world, these things can be barriers to entry for costs. It can be, bar- mm-hmm. you know, you've, you've, you've broke down the geography. So I mm-hmm. really appreciate that. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. not in Calgary. Hey, mm-hmm. that, that is not a problem. We can, mm-hmm. we can work with you. Mm-hmm. I do love that. But talk to me about access. And some of the times the challenge with a lot of these programs is let's be call a space, but there's a cost barrier for people mm-hmm. to get involved. And, mm-hmm. and I get it. Someone's got to forge the way and yeah. these things cost and hopefully like technology becomes more accessible and we mm-hmm. less of that risk of people being left behind by technology in general. Cause I, anyone listen if they had a student or they had a son or a daughter that would fit into this model, I would imagine would want to get them in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're working really hard to make it accessible, Tyler. I think bottom line is 25% of a school's operating budget goes into bricks and mortar. Paying yeah. the power bill, building buildings, yeah. you know, you name it, minimum 25%. That's not even with capital investment. So by sidestepping all of that and using tools that are, you know, relatively cheap, um, be it Zoom, we use Canvas, we use... A victory xr for our other platform okay um we we managed to create efficiencies uh we're also managed to create efficiencies and scalability when it comes to back to mr mclean you know if you've got <laughs> one mr mclean who's teaching a 15 minute direct lesson which is you know as controversial as it might be is actually extraordinarily powerful in learning you're able to capture that and send it out to as many students as you have you've paid one mr mclean yeah. And you've addressed how many students. That's not to say, Mr. McLean, we can't um, scale his connectability. So that's where we have individual yeah. teachers who are teacher advisors who are personalizing and connecting with those students and building agency in them. But the scalability is still there in education, which brings down the cost and brings up the accessibility. Okay. Furthermore, you know, we've had a few people in our community, and I just I'd like to thank them on your podcast please, here please. who have 
supported with bursaries and with uh, gifts to allow students to attend who know how important this is. I mean, independent school sometimes is perceived as a as a want, not a need. Yeah, um, yeah I hear you. But I'm telling you, to a student at the academy, at the studio, these programs are needs. They They need this support now. This is not our first choice for education. This is what we need now to to do the work. And so uh, I think people resonate with that. We've we've been lucky. We've had a few generous donors who have gone on to support with bursaries. And uh, that's enabled a lot of students who wouldn't otherwise have access for this program to do it. And I think in the scheme of things, you know, think about that. We always go with this, Tyler. Like I've got young kids. I got a five-year-old and seven-year-old. I paid for daycare for them so I could work. My wife could work. We try to keep it at that price or lower than we'd pay for average daycare okay. in, in the city for the studio because we think that you know it's that important. So that's been been kind of our justification, our model that we've been driving to keep. I appreciate that you you, you kind of picked a you you, you picked a a, ba- a baseline, if you will, or or, or a, refer- a reference point, mm-hmm. so it didn't feel unapproachable or un- unaffordable, and that mm-hmm. so oftentimes can be can be the barrier. But if you take away that, mm, okay, so why not now? <laughs> which I mm-hmm. which I appreciate where you're headed. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward five years. Let's 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 paint. Let's grab the magic wand and paint and, pa- and paint the picture. Where, where do you see this thing five? And I'm just picking five. If you want to shorten mm-hmm. it or lengthen it, that's up mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll have a graduating class, which would be really exciting. Yeah, cool. We'll, mm-hmm. uh, we'd love to see uh, hubs in Vancouver and Toronto at the minimum. You know, I think a lot of this enabled through personalized meetups. Like I said, going to the Calgary Zoo. Um, there's no reason why we can't draw from a fairly diverse geographical region around, or region around Vancouver and Toronto. Um, we do expect we'll be connecting with international students. Like we, we've had students who have moved, get this, like, so a student starts at the studio, parent gets transferred to the Middle East for their job. Um, guess what? Their peer group stays intact, their school stays intact, and they just continue on. We've had another student who wanted to go compete a very, very high-level skier and was going to spend three months in Italy training. Guess what? Peer group stays, stays intact. School stays intact. They have the same teachers. They go off to Italy and they do I love thing. technology just for that alone, what you just yeah. described. <laughs> and, and you think about it. Kids are mobile. We're, we've got kids who are rodeo professionals and they're traveling all over the place. They never miss a day of school. Never miss a day of school. So these are these are the things where I start to see like families who want optionality because they want to travel for a year with their kids, but they want to have consistency of school. This is yeah. a place I'd love to get into. You know, and the kids don't want to leave their friends and their peers and the people they're connected with. Like you know, exactly. like, that's across the board. You know, exactly. uh, the, the the new kid in school, like that. That's always been a stressful time for any kid who's had to do that. Yeah, and the the port the portability and this, you know, or just call it scalability, the ability to scale it to your life. That that like selfishly, that sounds amazing to me. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, want everything the way I want it, so I, <laughs> I would want other people to have that too. <laughs> so five years from now, Tyler, you know, we'll be international. We'll have a graduating class. Amazing. Um, it's infinitely scalable. There's not a human resource constraint. There's not a technology constraint. Um, we'll be deeper into the metaverse than anybody else will be. We'll be creating our own content. We'll be exporting that content. Um, and, and we'll be just creating incredible experiences for students who need it. You know, we, we wonder about moving out of neural diverse or learning disability and into, uh, education for everybody. Yep. And we talk about that all the time and it's, Entirely possible. You know, you just, we, and the thing is, I'll tell you this, this is kind of something I've always said, because I'm a special educator, is the only thing special about special education is the fact that it's the best education for everybody, back to universal design. So we designed this program 
for the students who have the greatest challenges with learning, yeah. everybody can take advantage of this. And so that's kind of the big question is, do you pivot and make it more broadly accessible past the neurally diverse? And the answer is likely yes. Um, but but we're, we're moving into cautiously. We want to make sure that we have the program mm-hmm. right. I mean, I, my doctoral work was in how do you start a school, taking it from startup to sustainability. I know that you need to start small. You've got to undersell, overperform. You've got to make sure that your foundational pedagogy is is good and sound. And we spent the last two and a half years proving that and uh, we're ready to accelerate again. So so who knows? Well, all the way back to your example, but the sidewalk cuts, the sidewalk mm-hmm. ramp, as, as, you're, as you're talking. You got uh, it. Uh, last question, maybe. I never really have a last question. I always have more. But why studio? I didn't ask you about the name at the beginning. I'm curious. So, yeah, I, I like the idea. So imagine this, like, I love the idea of a big, open design studio. Hmm. It's messy. It's probably bright. It's got unlimited potential in creation. creation. You know, uh, you're taking from multiple disciplines, multiple spaces and creating something new and interesting. You know, it's really close to that idea of like the most optimal design or art studio you can imagine. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create from nothing, which we is obviously our biggest marketing challenge, um, and build something unique and novel that's going to, you know, hopefully inspire people. And and that's where the idea of studio, the name came from. And I think, you know, I'll take credit or take fault. It's tough for people to understand <laughs> what a learning studio is because I, we've kind of made it up. But uh, that's that's the inspiration. I'm glad you, glad you asked that question because it's an important part of the, the vision. Old branding thing. If you, you, know, you can't be number one in the category, redefine the category, which is yeah. what I'm hearing. It's not easy, but it's worth it kind of thing. And that's what I'm hearing that loud and clear. And I'm miserably, I'm in New York. I'm picturing this industrial studio with big windows, yeah. exponential potential. Like that's yes. my, vi- yes. my visual brain yes. putting a studio together in my mind of like, Oh, the things we can do in here. Yes. <laughs> it's a climbing wall over here. There's yes. like, there's an art easel over here. There's a computer screen. There's VR over here. That That's my studio that I'm, I'm building in my head as I'm talking to you. As that's I'm what we're trying to build too, Tyler. You got it. Unlimited <laughs> potential. That's what we're after. Thanks for clearly articulating that. Jason, loved. Okay. I, I want to find out more. Is website, do they reach out to you? What's, I'm excited. What's, what's, I can't imagine if someone's listening and they have a, have a, have a child or a loved one or someone they care about or a family member or someone they just know mm-hmm. that can benefit from this. How do they get involved? How do they find out? Mm-hmm. I think you start by Googling Rundle Studio. That, that's yes. great. You know, www.rundle.ab.ca slash studio will get you there. Um, and, you know, back to Mr. Rogers, if you can remember Rogers. Just type in Jason Rogers and I'll probably pop up on my Twitter at Jason B. Rogers or Rogers at Rundle.ab.ca. Um, there's a few ways to, to reach me, but if you put in Rundle Studio, you're going you're gonna to find out what you need to find out. Amazing. And we're rolling into summer now. Does this run on the normal school year? So that's right. This means like a, probably a very yeah. detailed question to ask. Yeah. Great question. It, it runs on the normal school year. Okay. But we uh, have open, like, it's fluid. Right, it's totally yeah, yeah. agile, totally fluid. We picked yeah. up a student from New Brunswick uh, one month ago, and because all the lessons are recorded, just immersion. <laughs> you just hit hit play, go back to the start of the unit, no problem. Get caught up, and away you go. And so, you know, there are just so yeah. many advantages to this kind of approach. And so, we're not constrained by schedule. We're not constrained by calendar. We're not constrained by so many of the the problems that real schools have. Well, back to um, brick and mortar, the, the, the yeah. have to be out of space at a certain time to do a certain thing. And yeah, 
I do love COVID for that. It shifted the art of the possible very aggressively, and I'm, yeah. uh, I choose to be very excited about that. <laughs> well, and I don't know about you, Tyler, but uh, I listen to all my books and podcasts on one and a half speed. And uh, sometimes, don't you kind of wish you could speed up speed up your teacher, get oh, to the point? And yes. Guess what? Oh, you just described most of my life. Like, Can we just get there faster? I'm ready to go. Yeah. It's possible I, uh, in the studio, Tyler. It's built uh, for that. <laughs> oh, I love it. That was a very excellent. I, I think it's a point of pride of how quick I can listen to my audiobooks, but we'll, we'll talk about that offline. Absolutely. <laughs> Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Love, I love the work you're doing. I love how well you articulated and the true passion and the drive that clearly you and I would imagine the rest of your team, like you didn't do this because it was easy. You did it because it was the right thing to do. And that's certainly what I'm hearing loud and clear. So thanks, thanks for that. I love that it's here in Calgary, but people can access it from anywhere. I'm, a, I'm very pro Calgary as everybody who knows me knows. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for telling the story. And I'm really glad you reached out. That was a great chat. Thank you. Thanks for giving us a voice, Tyler. Appreciate it. Thanks for all the hard work you're doing. Uh, we appreciate it. My pleasure. 